0: From Los Angeles, California, this is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues, taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy. Talking about somebody with narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder in a relationship... I know you've talked a little bit about attachment and the development issues that might be underlying these diagnoses or these behaviors. So why, why might these two be attracted to one another? Cause they, they do tend to gravitate towards one another. Right. So it's kind of like a wounded
1: child finds another wounded child. And so they have that in common. And then it's kind of unconscious where they click. They almost have like sensors and they just in very easily can find each other. You can be at a huge party and the borderline can find the narcissistic or vice versa in a huge arena and just go straight for each other. And they have this chemistry and this, this incredible... Um, uh you know, passion. Just, just passion. Yeah, that they have beyond the most incredible intense sex and the most incredible orgasms and the most toxic, crazy, damaging fights that will bring them again in the cycle of violence to just make love and have the most incredible love again. And they get married for 20 years and have, like, three children. And they will bring the three children with another 20 years of witnessing the hot and the cold and the on and the off and the black and the white.
0: I read something that talked about what worked in this couple. It could sustain itself for a while, but often when a couple like this decide to have kids, that it can really trigger all the negative stuff that can happen between a borderline personality and a narcissistic personality because suddenly if if the borderline personality is the mother is giving all this love and attention and getting it from being a mother and then the husband who's the narcissist isn't getting his needs met or vice versa right? everybody's but, getting and, triggered
1: there's like little uh live wires right, right. land mines yeah baby landmines. <laughs> Exactly. That's what it feels like literally baby. everybody's tricker, ticker trick tricker. Yeah. no matter what move you make it you fall apart because everybody feels rejected and abandoned yeah
0: yeah and there, there's that that cycle I mean you were talking about it at, as the dance right this dance of intimacy that come here go away come here go away and borderlines just want to keep coming near and and narcissists want to push away and so they complete the cycle from one another yeah I also want to say, Jenny, that with
1: this diagnosis, there is incredible shame and embarrassment that goes along with a sense of self. Because when there's acting out with either one of them, deep down inside, they are feeling helpless, hopeless, humiliated, they feel embarrassed that they can't contain their emotions they feel like they should know better. Deep down inside, they're they falling apart because they didn't get the love, attachment, attunement, um, atta- yeah, that, that they needed in early childhood. It's a very painful life that they lead. It's not like they made a choice to sign up for it. Right. So I have a lot of empathy and understanding because um, it's painful.
0: Yeah, and after the raging or violent episodes or an extreme reaction, there's a lot of regret and then some self-flagellation. Sometimes in borderline person- personality disorders, it'll come out as self-mutilation, which can be to counteract a feeling of numbness or to create one. Yeah, There's a lot of different reasons for that, but that shame is a huge factor on both ends it manifests itself differently and and yet it is the same core feeling that they both have
1: and I think that's why I just thought of this is that's why the intense repair happens over and over and over again because they know they don't know it's an unconscious subconscious feeling but they're so distraught, and, and that powerlessness, that feeling of shame, humiliation, or embarrassment, they're so at bottom. They've hit bottom for both, maybe because they're exhausted fighting. And everybody, you know, maybe damage has been done. Maybe vases, have, vases, you know, like uh, glasses have been thrown, and, uh, you know, somebody gets hurt or whatever it is. But bottom, they're both at the bottom, and they're just exhausted and then can come subtle romance, love and understanding that leads back into the love and repair and sex and then
0: yeah, they on the some cycle.
1: level- so It's a fuck that,
0: fight, fuck fight, fuck fight.
1: Yep. And cycle. and they understand each other in some ways, you know? Yeah. Ugh, I am good. I'm thinking of an email that I received a while back that this woman really shared and opened up a lot about how she was a a businesswoman in in a relationship with a narcissistic man and um, he couldn't tolerate the separation. And so he would call her over and over again until she would answer. And she was like this powerful big wig, very busy. And finally he wasn't paid attention to, so he did some self injury. And then he told her, I hurt myself and I'm in the ER. Well, now she really listened, so she paid attention. I mean, it got to be where she came back home, cut the trip short, and then they got into an anger, rage phase, and he injured his hand purposely just to get her back home. And so we talk about the level of manipulation. Probably he didn't even know, or maybe he did know.
0: I think a lot of it happens on the subconscious level. I think yeah. maybe when they're in therapy if they're in therapy, they're more likely to acknowledge it. But
1: that example is how quickly she leaves. I feel rejected or abandoned. Oh god damn it, why did she leave me? How dare she? Because I'm narcissistic. Nobody leaves me. Right. And then maybe damages his hand or doesn't for whatever reason, maybe out of rage or anger. And then, uh, you know, it it just happens so fast because the pain is so deep. Yeah. And then the mind games flare up. And if you can imagine over and over and over, this dynamic gets so exhausting.
0: And nothing ever gets settled. It doesn't seem like you can't repair if you don't take a look at it. Right. Moving on. There's also, we were talking about narcissists who, or people with narcissistic personality disorder, who define themselves by being caretaking and, like, we're talking about picking up the bills or really being the one who's the giver. And that's fine by a borderline because borderlines want to be taken care of. And so, you know, you've got this neediness from a borderline personality disorder that, is very attracted to the strength and what appears to be confidence and self-certainty of the narcissist, even though we know that's a facade and a mask that they're putting. So that really makes sense that they're drawn to one another and that there's very similar trauma in the past. Or sometimes it's spooky how similar the developmental wounds are or the ages at which they happened, developmentally stunting them and they're in the same place. Shut
1: up, just shut up, shut up, shut
0: We try to take it slow, but we're still control. was looking at was also talking about borderlines having a hard time and I keep saying borderlines and that's you know they aren't people are not their diagnosis Diagnosis. so I want to be clear about that so please forgive me as I'm saying that yeah shorthand and talk people with borderline personality disorder tend to tend to live in an unrealistic fantasy world like and not necessarily a good fantasy it's that they're perceiving injustices or wounds or hurts. They're feeling very misunderstood. Right. Always. And then narcissists are people who, when they get too close, they bolt. Right. So it has to do with what's going on in them. But if you're a borderline and your partner is running out the door, you're assuming that it's all about you on some level even though they say that a narcissist is more likely to believe that you know there's a problem in the relationship it's because of me whereas a borderline is more likely to think if there's a problem in the relationship it's because of you Uh which is strange because i would actually um, initially i would think it was the other way around but but it it does kind of make sense and there's a need to be perfect on both sides very very frequently perfection is something that both personality types strive for mm-hmm. or feel like they need to define themselves. And
1: they're highly functioning, you know, uh, couples. So it's not to say just because these two people get together or they realize what it is. I mean, they can be a powerhouse.
0: Sure. How,
1: I mean, Hollywood is full of them.
0: So what about couples therapy with with this with this pairing? What What might that look like or what might be difficult about it? It's
1: that strong current of a feeling and watching, observing the rhythm of the relationship anyway. When you're a couples therapist, you wanna see the rhythm and the tone, the attunement or misattunement of a relationship. So then you take that feeling and then you escalate it by you know a thousand and so instead of baby waves that might just be simple conflict it's a typhoon it is a hurricane
0: hold on to your hands
1: yes and um, it looks like a lot of raging a lot of um, attempting to contain them often I have had to stand up and open the door and say we're going to end I'm thinking of a couple in my head that in the past, over and over again, I've had to do the very thing that they're fearful of, right? The rejection and abandonment. They make me do the very thing that they're so frightened of, where I'd set the boundaries, which they don't like. And they're like two little school children who are acting out. And the good news is they're kind of a united front in the acting out behavior. So they join in it, which is good news, because um, the difficult part is when they're coming at you right. individually, where the narcissist is throwing stuff at you and the borderline is <laughs> throwing stuff, and, and they then they join together, and then they fight with each other. But then the best is when they turn on you, because you kind of are wanting them to be cohesive in some way, even though it is damaging and destructive for all of us, but you have have to, you have to stay in control of the room. And thank God I was a preschool teacher for 12 years before (laughs) I became a therapist because, uh, you know, I did, I pulled out the teacher, Wendy, and I stood up and I opened the door and I said, you have to go, you have to go. If you cannot, uh, you know, be civil and respectful in this room. And, Often the dramatic aspect of this couple love, just love, to open doors and slam them. And then come back and slam them again. And uh, my office building really loves that. Because the office to the left and the right often will have to knock on the walls to have this kind of couple calm down. Right, like, we can hear you. At times police are called. That's how... Off the chain they can be but it takes a while because a lot of therapists don't want to deal with this your mommy and you are repairing and you are modeling and you are holding and you are containing and sometimes it can take a very long time if they are hanging in with you you will see changes but it it takes a while and it can be exhausting
0: what might motivate a couple to like this to stay together? Because what you're describing and, and what we've been talking about, it all sounds so extreme. An outsider, somebody who's not in those relationships, might wonder, what the hell? Why would either party put up with that or continue to tolerate that?
1: Well, because I think it's the level of trauma that these two individuals have experienced, whatever they have experienced, the underlying issue is I misunderstood. Nobody gets me, you know, abandonment, rejection, whatever it is that we said before. Um, It's this knowing, this profound chemistry. What is it? It's like this lightning bolt of power between two people that is unspoken, that feels like love, but it is not love. It is dangerous and toxic and damaging because it is uncontaining and frightening. They are like scared little children who don't have coping skills to calm down. So the self-soothing is is frightening for them. And and so it, it really looks like they're in so much pain. So what's in it for them um, is the attachment of that. But what's in it for them to change often comes from external circumstances like police are called, like they get in trouble for domestic violence and are arrested or the kids
0: might be threatened. They might take them away. Yep. Or, or
1: right. Or DCFS shows up at your, so it has to get on some really, or somebody gets hurt or hurt many times. The house becomes on fire. I mean, crazy, horrific stories. And it has to get that big for them to feel the ouch because the trauma was so tremendous
0: growing up. The containment that you're talking about, the lack of containment that they seem to have, especially outside of the therapy room, is something that they need to learn how to create for themselves and within the relationship right
1: well because they're looking to the world to contain them right and so that's why hospitalizations like psychiatric hospitalizations happen over and over again dcfs you know we call a social worker because they just can't fight stop fighting um and again you and i were both trained in crisis intervention and management and so we also have these expertise and what to do when something shows up but part two is how to heal it i will go and visit my client in a psychiatric hospital if i'm the one who put them in there because i want to show you mommy's not going anywhere i'm not leaving i will hold you you're not too much for me and when you get out we're gonna have another session about how the care and concern is still here it is not going anywhere right because that object permanence uh it it is here we we are here and we are holding steady that's why i think we have a high statistical rate of um repair with this couple um in in my practice and our work here because people do feel held contained how often do we call DCFS if we need to? How often do we have to facilitate a hospitalization or uh, you know, or, or call the police if things get really out of hand? But we definitely do part two, which is the repair and the healing. That's why we have many years of relationships with these types of, of couples, because they know we're here, we're not going anywhere.
0: Which is really important, because you're talking about the integration and and going back to splitting as well, the splitting that goes on outside of both of them, both people with narcissistic personality disorder or borderline is, is an inability to integrate the good and the bad about themselves and accept them both and, and accept that as part of their humanness to be able to look at their flaws and say, okay, maybe I don't like that. I wish it were different, but I can change X, Y, and Z, I can't change this thing. You know, that sort of rational analysis isn't something that comes naturally to them. So they so they split not just outside themselves, but inside themselves and they can't tolerate this feeling that they're bad. And like you're talking about them being in the hospital, maybe they've acted out, maybe they've hurt themselves or there's been a suicide attempt, which also with borderline personality disorder you see a very upsetting number of suicides that i think it's 70 percent of of and it's interesting
1: one woman wrote me
0: uh about the
1: article and said um quote you don't have to be borderline to be suicidal so i wanted to make that clear because i thought that was a very good point
0: it's a very good point and and we're absolutely not talking about that and but the The statistic is eight to ten percent are likely to actually succeed at committing suicide, but seventy percent—this is the statistic—seventy percent of people with borderline uh, personality disorder are likely to attempt it. Mm. So seventy percent—that's really high—and you don't see that number in narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why would
1: they? They're so wonderful. Yeah. You know, they're too. They're. They're. uh, They have everything covered.
0: And I think that. Things that are harder for the narcissistic personality, like expressing one's own feelings and fears and emotions and attachment to somebody that those can be matched so beautifully by a borderline, somebody with borderline who's so emotional and has, you know, You can really see how you're talking about containment. So like if you think of them both as as vessels, right? So you've got You've got the narcissist who is empty, and you've got the borderline who is overflowing, and the narcissist can sort of pick up some of that. And it's, the attraction might be that the, the other is able to express parts of the denied self mm-hmm. or the cut off self. The partnership really does make sense uh, when you look at those, those issues. You can try this at home. Two movies to, to look at mm-hmm. uh, would be like War of the Roses is a big one. Love that of... movie. And I always use that as an example. It's, yep, It's a great example. And I'll
1: tell my clients to go look at them. I will say, go look at, that will be homework, right? Go look at War of the Roses, get a flavor and see what you think of it. And they'll come back and they'll, you know, we'll, it will do a little, uh, <laughs> you know, exploring on who they identify with.
0: Mm, yeah. There's also a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was the BBC did a docudrama with um, Dominic West and Helena Bonham Carter as um, as uh, Richard Burton and and Elizabeth Taylor. So it was called like Burton and Taylor, and it's oh, it's amazing. I see it. I, I I have it. I'll I'll give it to you. Um, it's an amazing example of one of these duos. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those, those would be recommendations if you want to see some extreme examples of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, i have a little TV time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Moving on.
1: You know, I want to go back to just saying that, you know, some therapists won't accept these clients and, and we do or whatever listen, some have been traumatized, some people, you know, therapists have been traumatized in their own life. And so that's very, very healthy to set that boundary.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: But by no means, I want to be really clear about this because I know you and I are very clear that by no means is it okay to take abuse. And so when we have people come in and their clients we will do our best, but we will not take abuse and I will refer out if we need to, because, um, and over the years, there have been some people that have just been clearly not really engaged in the therapeutic
0: process. Uh,
1: Yeah. They, they just wanted to do what they do in the world with another person. And, and I will even say, I, I can't help you. I really can't help you. Um, but here are some other people, but then they want to know why, and I will break it down for them, um, and say, you know, if you if you, you know, repair a little bit, you heal a little bit, you you want to be, which really just means be nice, yeah, um, because they feel so powerless that they do the threatening. I'll take your license. I'll sue your family. I'll sue your practice. I'll take you down. Whatever it takes or, to make
0: them feel like they're in control or have some power because they, yeah, they're feeling so vulnerable they will
1: you know uh the they they will make false claims Uh, someone touched my kid or you know i mean it's it's it can be very dangerous yes so you don't want to set yourself up if you're any kind of a therapist or you know uh someone who's in a relationship you really identify it but know your boundaries and your limits and definitely no abuse it's not okay
0: yeah. And that's not just for professionals. That's also for friendships, coworkers, dating. I, you know, Wendy talks a lot about this in other podcasts, too, about trusting your gut. What do you feel if you're really feeling a strong reaction to someone? Follow that feeling and, and do something about it. Right. Protect yourself. Safety first. So as we are wrapping up here, I wanted to talk a little bit about tips and resources. I know we've talked some about what it's like interacting with this couple or being one of the people in this couple. So regardless of whether you are in it or observing it, it's important to set your limits and really enforce your boundaries, safety first. as We've said many times, absolutely, you need to hold people accountable for their inappropriate, irrational outbursts. It's difficult to be in relationship with these people. A lot of people aren't able to contain it, and it's not their responsibility. But that's why there are professionals out there. The only person who can really control the thoughts or the feelings or the behaviors of somebody with any personality disorder is that person. I spoke
1: to someone who is diagnosed narcissistic personality disorder and they said something extremely toxic and like pushing away in a very passive aggressive manner. And that is a moment where you identify it as a loved one, you know, or if it's your client or whatever, but but to identify it and say, oh, there it is. There, there, that's what that looks like. Don't take it personally. Take take a deep breath, take a time out. Do not engage in the power struggle because they want to fight. They want to get in that ring and be Muhammad Ali. Bring it, you know, but if you identify it, and 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 step back and take a deep breath. You're really taking very good care of yourself and you're not going to get in that ring. You you can be caring and loving and have a nice neutral statement like, "Huh, that's something to think about" or whatever. You know, something that doesn't feel too condescending but 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 caring where you can just set your firm boundary and not engage in that toxic comment. Absolutely. It's really important to develop that
0: and anybody. if you are somebody with borderline personality or narcissistic personality and you're in the relationship that you know this is not just what you just described people with these disorders need to use these tools as well i mean these are cognitive behavioral I mean, dialectic that's for any relationship right right yeah, for any relationship and, and and that's the other thing too is again a lot of the behaviors that we've described if if they happen in your relationship every once in a while you know that that doesn't mean that your partner's a narcissist and you've got borderline personality disorder and there there are extremes to it sometimes healthy people who are involved with uh, especially with with borderlines even for a small amount of time they can themselves start adopting the borderline symptomology and just due to proximity and that's we talk about being like crazy making like they're crazy like they they gaslight you they make you question they make you but they 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 provoke yeah they manipulate, foster an environment yeah jab Trigger. One,
1: one of my clients calls it jabbing yeah. jabbing
0: and because they're so smart that they can especially border people with borderline can really see they're very attuned that's something else which just seems Contrary to what you believe. They're hypervigilant. Yeah, so they are to. aware of what somebody else may be feeling. They may be a little bit wrong on the ultimate underlying meaning of it, but... Oh, if you take a breath, they'll know. Breath. Say, what was that for?
1: Or if you yawn or have a little bit of a moment where you're adjusting or something. What? What? Was that too much for you? Is that too much? Yeah. Or like no boundaries at all, right? So they'll say to their therapist. Tell me about your, tell me about your life. What's your husband like? What's your daughter like? What's your dog like? What do you live? What's going on? You know, like, in, yeah.
0: And getting too much up in your of
1: Therapists will call to consult with me to say like, you know, how do I handle certain borderline disorder people? And often they feel they have to answer. It's that strong that they, even their boundaries get all pushed aside because they're so desperate to connect. And feel so devastated if you can't be their friend, right? Because they can't really they can't really know that they're there for a professional relationship.
0: Yeah, because that would and mean they also that would they be would special. need help, right? Well, that's yeah, and that's something that's too painful to really right. face. So the other thing is to work on object permanence or constancy. So sometimes it, somebody might want to hold a picture, have a picture from a happy time or the wedding or something, this is like, okay, so this isn't forever, this is just for right now, you know, to remind yourself when that person isn't around that you are loved when you're feeling there's, there's a lack in your life of love or understanding that there are people, you know, writing in a journal. Dr. Wendy's dream journal writing in Dr. Wendy's dream journal, a list of things that are very affirming to you uh, in terms of that you are loved, that you are valued, because there will be times when you may not feel that and it may not be easy to just pull up those internal resources.
1: And you know, also getting a, a professional, if you don't know or you're overwhelmed or you can't get out of, how often do we work with relationships where You'll see the borderline narcissistic duo and, they, and they're doing this dance and they say they're coming into up, only to be with you another five years, you know, and that's OK, too. That's OK, because that's what love looks like to them. But we're going to educate and help them to push through what love doesn't look like. You know? And so get a professional. Get, yeah. get have, have a third party come in and observe and give their two cents and, and help you because you don't need to be held hostage by the diagnosis if it's you yourself but also by a family member or loved one or you know someone in a relationship it's- Must try to ignore that it means more than that. Oh, what's love got to do, got to
0: do what's love Some great books. Randy Krieger and Paul T. Mason have a wonderful book called Stop Walking on Eggshells. There's a book and a work uh, workbook both Dr. Winnie and I uh, recommend it a lot and it really discusses what it's like being in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality disorder and how to deal with that i also have recommended and i think wendy has too a book by randy krieger who co-wrote the eggshell book called the essential family guide to borderline personality disorder there's a wonderful book called disarming the narcissist by wendy bahari i believe if you pronounce her name oh i think that's
1: Good. Yeah, really good book.
0: Yeah, Disarming the the Narcissist is a great book. And then, um, of course, there's lots of online stuff. Marsha Linehan, right? Oh, right. So Marsha Linehan and the DBT dialectic behavioral therapy, which was designed primarily to work with uh, people with borderline dis- uh, personality disorder. There's a posting board called Welcome to Oz, which is um, run by the Randy Krieger, Rockin' Eggshells people. um.
1: And NAMI, the National Association of Mental Illness. They are wonderful, they have support groups, they've got uh, lovely people to help and support. You know, whether you're in a relationship or you have family members, that's a wonderful resource.
0: And BPD Central, also a good place. Find a good therapist or couples therapist. Yes. Don't get on that roller coaster. Just don't do it. Or the
1: first thing is identify the roller coaster and then find a way to get off, because that's not love. But there is hope for these two people and they're, they they really can learn new ways to ha- develop insight and heal and repair the attachment. And they're, they really can make a very incredible strong powerful team when used
0: correctly. Some studies have shown that this couple can actually last and succeed a very long time if they seek help, and that over time, all of these behaviors can really diminish. And I think age probably also plays a role in it, Um, maybe getting to the point where the kids are out of the picture too, and there might be some rebonding, but also, you know, age mellows us all out, hopefully, in some ways. And also, you know,
1: talking about the dream journal,
0: Dr. Wendy's Dream Journal.
1: You know, one thing is also thinking about what other people say about your relationship. You may want to just jot down some things. Not that I'm okay with people, you know, judging and saying, oh, okay, let's, you know, but But if you keep getting comments over and over again from different people, gosh, that was you know that person's really controlling, or Or that was disrespectful what he just said to you, or oh my god, she breaks everything in the house, whatever it is. Pay attention, list them, and take a look at them. Go into by by yourself a professional. You don't have to do the couple thing, but. Start to begin to tell the secrets, the secrets so that you can deal with the denial or the shame or whatever's going on, because we're all human. We've all been through many special different relationships at all levels. And, you know, our goal is for you all to find love and in safe and cherishing ways. Beautiful. Can I get an amen? Amen, sister. Please don't forget to contact our website ww And Jenny J V Wilson, J E N N I, J V Wilson.com. And our Twitter handle at Ask dr Wendy.
0: At Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-J V Wilson dot uh, was just it, at Jenny J
1: V Wilson. And uh, telephone 310-712-1230.
0: Be safe. Go keep, find love. Keep up the good work, and we'll we'll see you again soon. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk at you again soon. Leave us a leave us a review on iTunes. Write to us if there's a topic that you're particularly interested in. Um, we would love to hear from you. And thank you all for listening. Maybe Listening to the relationship show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny, a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.V. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijvwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only.
1: Can I get an amen? Amen, sister.